So it is beautiful to build our lives on the love of God in Christ and to not be shaken. And so I would pray that for us as we open the scripture and we continue and in fact bring closure to a series, but an extraordinary hope for our hearts. And so I would invite you this morning, I invite you as you gather and watch with us to come and hope with us because we are assured of this, that the hope that we have in Jesus will not disappoint. And I I want to uh, have you, if you would, turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, and that's going to be foundational. And I want to read, if I can, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, just to kind of remind us of why we are a people who are not shaken, that we are a people of extraordinary hope. And so the scripture reads in Colossians this way, so if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of of our God. Set your mind on things that are above. Set your heart and set your path and set your trajectory as a people that are centered on things that are above and that are eternal. That would be absolutely beautiful and powerful. One of the things that um, I've kind of learned in venturing with, um, well, with the Passion Conference but also in venturing back into history of the early church and what God was doing. I think this was a powerful reality for us as a body of believers and how God is shaping us and how we should set our hearts on things above. One of the early church's gatherings, one of the gatherings of the body of believers in the early days of our faith, a historical part of our community and a reality of who we are today, 2,000 years later, one of these early churches gathered atop the empty tomb of Christ. And that was a powerful and beautiful reality. Can you imagine as we went together in worship and we celebrated the resurrected Savior and that his life is resurrected, but we are resurrected with him, how powerful it would be to sit around atop the tomb and, and, and send someone down into the tomb to light a candle from the tomb and they would carry that up and then they would begin to sing one of the ancient hymns entitled the Fosiloron. And they would just start to sing together. And, and what a powerful reminder for us. What a powerful reminder for our partners in the gospel in the early days of the church that we are a resurrected people. And the very foundation of our lives and our ministry, the foundation of the Mandarin family is the empty tomb of Jesus. And we're a resurrected community. The Fosiloron reads this way. They would just at dusk begin to sing to the Lord. And I've kind of left a candle here. So I hope that throughout the entirety of the message this morning, you will just keep glancing at this candle and saying these words, our church is built atop the empty tomb of the Savior. We are a community of resurrection. We are a people of great hope. And they would just begin to sing this way, hell gladdening light of his pure glory poured, who is the immortal father. He is heavenly blessed, holiest of holies, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now we are come to the sun's hour of rest. The lights of evening round us shine and we hymn. We sing of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, for they are divine. 
That is the foundation of our church and our body. And if you would like an affirmation of the resurrection, I believe that that church, but I also believe that we as a people of God would simply say it in this way. Of course, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Come and sit among his people. Of course, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Come and sit among his people. See how we move and live and have our being. This is described well in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. The church is just getting rolling. This is their second pivotal encounter with Christ, or I don't know how you even number those. The second mighty falling of the Spirit of God in tangible ways. And this is what it reads of them in the descriptive. In Acts 4, 31 through 33, it says this, when they had prayed, just kind of lock in there, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have been singing about that earlier in our worship gathering. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak the word of God boldly. Now, the entire group of those who relieved were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed any possession was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think they would just simply say it in this way. If you are wondering or curious as to whether Jesus is raised from the dead, and what his resurrection power looks like, you should come sit among his church. That would be a beautiful and powerful story. So come and sit among the people of God. We worship and live and breathe in the midst of a people who are atop an empty tomb. And this, this is our heart cry. There's two things that I see in well, there's multiple things that I see in Acts 4, 31 and 32, and two things that I would like to point out. What, what characterized the early church was the profound presence of the living God. And again, in chapter 4, verse 31, it says, When they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were filled with the Spirit of God, and they were speaking the Word of God boldly and with power and with a sense of just this movement of God. The point of, I think the point of their experience would not be to seek to duplicate what happened in the second chapter of Acts or earlier in the launch of the church. In fact, in the initiation of um, the New Testament church was the fall of Pentecost just earlier than what we're reading about in the fourth chapter. They're not sitting around going, can we, can we do that again? Can we have that same experience again? For in Pentecost, there was this falling of the presence of God. There were these people who had gathered 120 strong, just praying for the presence of God. The presence of God was made manifest among them. They began to speak in their own tongues and yet understand one another. Kind of like what happened for us as we were singing Holy Spirit, except multiple languages bringing glory to one king, and his name is Jesus, the resurrected king of glory. And there was this powerful reality. And I don't think in the fourth chapter of Acts, they were sitting wringing their hands going, can he do this again? They weren't looking for a particular scripted experience from the past. That was, it was way too powerful for that. They were looking for God himself to reveal Jesus himself through the spirit of Christ. And so they were longing to see Jesus move again in power. So as 
they typically did when they prayed. God just moved in a new and fresh way. And I believe that a character or an attribute of a New Testament church that proclaims this, if you wonder if Jesus is resurrected from the dead, if you wonder if the resurrection is true, you should come and sit among us because his spirit and his powerful, it shakes our heart and our soul. It shakes our lives and it is beautiful and it is powerful. They were a group of people that fasted, prayed, prepared, pursued. They were a people who just simply sat in this way saying, we can't imagine what you might do as you, as you bring your presence and your spirit among us. But holy God, we long for more Jesus. We long for more of your presence and we want to be known for that. And over and over, what was discovered was this manifestation of God in these glorious and utterly unimaginable ways as he made his presence and his power and his beauty and his wonder norm among them as it was their normal to seek and to pray. So they gathered often and very often, I would pray this would be true of us, they gathered on their knees just praising and praying and crying out for God to move in spirit and in power. And then when they prayed, this is Acts 4.31, just the first words. This is the pattern of the church. They had just prayed for the wonders of God. They had prayed for boldness and they prayed and experienced the power of God himself. I mean, do you not want to try this? You don't want to experience this? Do you not, as a body of believers, read about the community of the resurrection and then want to turn around and say to the community of Mandarin, to St. John's County, to Clay County, to the city of Jacksonville, if you're curious about Jesus being resurrected from the dead, come and sit among us because we're a people who may not often sit. We are going to be lifting holy hands. We will find ourselves on our knees. We're a people crying out for the presence of the living Christ. Would you not want to experience this together? What an incredible joy to pray intensely with a group of like-minded people who are longing for the resurrected Jesus to be made manifest among us so that the proclamation of his gospel could be beautiful, powerful, glorious. And I would pray that we would seek a supernatural response among us as a body of believers as we move to a closure of the Easter season, but yet as a church, never forgetting that this divine Father, Son, and Spirit are the resting of our soul and the abiding of our spirit, and that our worship, as always, as a Mandarin family, atop the empty tomb of Jesus. And if you want to know that he is resurrected, come and sit with us. There's a power in his presence and there is a beauty in his unity. In verses 32 and 33 of the fourth chapter of Acts, it says the entire group. If you read about the, in the second chapter of book of Acts, the word all, A-L-L, is constantly there. There's this unity about them. They believed with one heart, one mind, no one claimed any of his possessions for his own, 
But instead, everything was held in common. And with great power, they gave testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the next few minutes, I would like to just validate through Scripture the power of the gospel via, through the unity of the body of Christ. So there was beautiful unity. Jesus did not pray for us as he was making his way to the cross that we would get along. He didn't pray for us that we would be okay with each other. His prayer was that we would become, listen to this prayer in the 17th chapter of the book of John, as we pray and see in the fourth chapter of Acts, the unity that Jesus prayed for. Jesus in John 17 prayed for perfect unity, perfect oneness, a oneness almost that's birthed out of, the, out of a body of believers who have mobilized their lives into the midst of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're experiencing the same unity among us because our unity flows out of a love relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And there is a perfect unity that Jesus prays for for the body of believers. He says in John 17, 20 through 23, please read this um, more thoroughly in your own time. But he says, I am in them and Father, you are in me. And this is his prayer for us that the world would know. Jesus, I pray that the purpose of the unity would, so, would be that the world would know that you sent me and that you have loved them. And so there's something powerful and gospel oriented in the beautiful and powerful and beautiful, the in the unity of the body of believers, there is something that is, is life-altering. And this, this doesn't add up, this prayer, but Jesus, I mean, I asked this question, how can our unity, as Jesus prayed in John 17, result in the world's belief? And I, and I think it just doesn't add up for me. The scripture is filled, though, with the impossible or the improbable. So I can't make sense of sea splitting, manna falling from heaven, marching around a city seven times. So I can't fully make sense of how our unity allows the gospel to prevail. But I see a promise in Jesus' prayer in the 17th chapter that as we fall in love with the living God himself, as we love Jesus through his spirit, we, as we love one another out of first response to the love of God, there is something gospel powerful about this. And so I would read this to you and I will put this in your notes because I think you should probably ponder this. Just as the empty tomb validates the power of the cross and the sufficiency of Christ, the love among the church validates the validates the Jesus as the head of its body. The, the love of God among the body of Christ validates Jesus as its leader. And it just moves in spirit and in power. The church is so beautiful and attractive that it makes the message of who Jesus is beautiful, powerful, and potent. We have experienced this love of God. We have been raised with Christ and we are hidden with Christ in God. His spirit, it's alive within us. And that profound love should flow out of us. It should be enough to turn the, turn the world on its head for the sake of the gospel. And we should sit around with the people that we are praying for and say, of course, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Come and sit among us. Come and, come and gather with us. And that's happening one day in the near future. Come and sit among the body of believers and see who he is. 
In 1 John 4.12, it reads this way, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. And yet, if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. There is a compelling call and a powerful promise in this scripture as we pursue beautiful unity as the body of believers. There is this call to love one another as we have been loved by God. And and this is the promise. If we love one another, then God will come and abide among us. He will remain among us. He will be made complete among us and his love will be made glorious among us. So the response that we have is to love, to love beautifully, to love powerfully, to love with this love of God in Christ first that then emanates to others. And so there is something that that God is saying is powerful for the church. He's saying to the church, look, listen, I want you to hear this. You are the validation of the resurrection of Jesus. He has prayed for the unity of the believers and he is now saying to you, it is powerful for the gospel to prevail. In one moment, and again, I would love to put these in your notes and I would love for you to have conversation about this. As they were talking about the early church that met atop the empty tomb of Jesus as a resurrection community. Here is one who stood outside and was persecuting the early church and what, what was written of the church. And I would love to just read this one sentence at a time and just pause. As citizens, this is his description of the church. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if they're foreigners. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if this is not their home. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and yet surpass the laws by their own lives. They love all men, and they are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They're put to death and restored to life. They are poor. Listen, listen. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored, And yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of and yet are justified. They are reviled and yet they bless. They are insulted and they repay insult with honor. They do good yet are punished as evildoers. And when punished... And when punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. And he closes this way. Do you not see that the more of them that are punished, the greater becomes the number of the rest? This does not seem to be the work of man. 
This is the power of God. These are the manifestation of the evidence of the resurrected Jesus. As an outsider looking into the gathered body of believers as the early church, I believe he answered the question and call. If you are wondering if Jesus is resurrected from the dead, you should come and sit among us. You should persecute us. You should place us into stress. You should put us in difficulty. And I, and I promise you that you will see among us his glory, his honor, his dominion, and his hope. Come and sit with us for you will see that we serve a resurrected Savior who has resurrected our own lives. Of course, Jesus is resurrected. Look at us. So church, I pray that we will be known as a people of prayer, longing for the presence of God among us. That will be our usual, the norm. And in that prayer, God will bind us together in a supernatural unity that lends credence to the power of the cross and to the empty tomb. So let's be as a people who are gathered atop an empty tomb, a resurrection community, making much of Jesus himself. Can we pray in that way? Lord, thank you that we are a people of the resurrection. Thank you for the honor of seeking your face. Compel your body of believers, the Mandarin family, to be a people, a house of prayer. And oh Lord, I pray that your presence through that prayer, will foster such unity that the gospel will prevail first among us and that it will then be beautiful as it moves through us. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for the resurrection, yours and ours. Yes and amen.